Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. For 18 years now, Fidelity has been surveying Canadians about their retirement plans and preparedness. Year over year, a main takeaway is the value of a written retirement plan. Today, we'll unpack which highlights and trends stood out this year relative to prior surveys, including the effects that a rising cost of living, market uncertainty, inflation, and more have on retirement preparedness. Host Kelly Roberts is joined by the authors of the report, Peter Bowen, VP Tax and Retirement Research, and Michelle Monroe, Director, Tax and Retirement Research. If you would like to receive your own copy of the report, please head to go.fidelity.ca slash retirement. This podcast was recorded on June 15th, 2023. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. So Peter, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about the Fidelity Retirement Report? Yes, we're, uh, we're excited to release this, the 2023 Fidelity Retirement Report. Uh, it, this is our 18th year of doing this. We survey Canadians from coast to coast, uh, around 2,000 Canadians each year. And that allows us to compare the outlook, the, the views on retirement uh, between pre-retirees and retirees and males and females, uh, other categories as well, but also across the years because we've been doing this for so long. So we are able to provide a lot of insights that are helpful to financial advisors and their clients. And I'm sure over the last 18 years, we've seen a lot of changes in that. Michelle, let me ask, I mean, we've got market volatility, persistent inflation, higher interest rates. There's a lot of macroeconomic volatility as of late. With all the noise that's going on out there, how are Canadians feeling about retirement? These days? Yeah, we really wanted to understand the outlook on retirement of pre-retirees and retirees. And because, as you said, there has been so much going on. Sometimes I just think it's bananas. It was three plus years ago, the pandemic. And, you know, as one thing sort of stabilizes, all these other things are creeping up. And what is the impact of that on the outlook of retirement? And so we're looking at pre-retirees and retirees. And you can really see that retirees consistently are feeling positive about retirement but it's the pre-retirees that are feeling less positive about retirement. So then we decided to, well, let's do a deeper dive on that pre-retiree segment. And what we found is that the, those pre-retirees with a written plan, 85% of those felt positive about retirement. Pre-retirees without a written plan was 55%, which is a significant drop. And it seems to me over the top obvious the value of having that written plan and helping people have a positive outlook about retirement. So we slice and dice the report from pre-retirees, retirees. Do we do anything? Do we see anything different as it relates to regions? Across we the also look, yes, we also look at the regions. Quebecers were most likely to be feeling positive about retirement across the country, as well as, and I'll say it again and again, 
They are, were also more likely to have a written retirement plan. Again, we're going to see the correlation there. So something's in the water in Quebec, obviously. <laughs> um, so, Peter, you know, Katie's have been dealing with higher inflation this past year. How are you seeing that impacting the retirement plans? In a word, dramatically. And for those following along, this is on uh, page nine of our report. When we look about look at the rising cost of, of living, it's influencing when people think they will retire, particularly those 55 and above. And from year to year, this has been going up, right? For those 55 to 64, 37% of them now say they're considering delaying retirement. For those 65 plus, right, so obviously who are still working, it's actually 57% of them that are saying that they'll continue working. They'll delay when they retire. And, it, you know, it's a natural response to all of the issues that Michelle referenced. So we talked about, um, you know, inflation. Let's move to interest rates. They could be higher for longer. So how are you seeing this playing out? Canadians are being negatively impacted on this. Uh, I mean, lots of Canadians have lots of debt, of course. We know that. Actually, over half of pre-retirees are telling us that they are negatively impacted. If we look at page 10 of the report, uh, we also can see 41% of uh, retirees are saying they're negatively impacted. So, you know, it's the re new reality. Now, there is a small subset that are saying they'll have a positive impact uh, as a result of the higher interest rates. Presumably, those are people looking at the investing side of the equation. But even there, we want to be cautious, of course, because when we look at real rates of return, they're pretty low. Right? Nominal rates of return, yes, they're high right now. But real return rates after inflation are low. And then we also have to consider the, the implications of taxation. We've got inflation higher interest rates, we've got market volatility, portfolios are really struggling. How are you seeing this playing out in terms of investing behavior? Yeah, not particularly well, to be honest. Uh, when we look at uh, the percentage of Canadians that say they will invest conservatively, it's not a good story from my perspective. So it's also on uh, page 11 of our report. We can see that you know the share of respondents who say they will invest in nothing but very safe investments for a long time is is jumping right particularly for retirees uh 56 of them are saying now that they will invest in nothing but very safe investments again this has jumped significantly from last year and caution is needed right when we think about asset allocation right it's one of our five key risks to retirement uh the asset allocation risk is dramatically increased when people shift to uh nothing but safe investments it's the wrong investment mix for the long term. We know that. We know that a lot of people respond that way to market volatility. And we also know it's the wrong answer, right? When we look at markets over the years, things go bump all the time. It's a feature of markets, right? But they always recover. So shifting to those more conservative investments is, is you know, we know it's always the wrong strategy. Uh, that's where financial advisors come in, of course, is to help hold the hands of those investors guide them through these rocky times is one of the biggest values of uh, a financial advisor uh, that, that, that exists. I know I've certainly been having a lot of conversations with advisors who are trying to talk their their clients off the ledge who really want to go into GICs, which we know is certainly not going to get um, people to the retirement goals that they need. Michelle, each year we're asking about you know financial goals and, and where people are going. What are pre-retirees saving for today and actually what's holding them back from retiring? All right. So Pre-retirees, their financial, their savings goals, number one, and this is consistent year after year, 
saving for retirement. And it's a years, decades long process of that accumulation. Uh, but then number two, what they're also saving for is for their children, uh, could be post-secondary, uh, large expenses, helping them with it, save for that down payment for a home, weddings, life events, things like that. As well as number three, the retirees are also thinking about saving for elderly parents who are living longer and longer and may need financial support at the end of their life. So it's a very multi-generational uh, viewpoint that we're thinking of like truly the sandwich generation, as well as number four is that they're saving for a major purchase of their own, as well as number five, there's a link to that's perhaps saving for a new home. Again. So there's a lot of things that they're saving for. And again, this is where a financial advisor can help them prioritize. And as we go through turbulent times, thinking about um, staying on track, especially for that long-term retirement goal. The second part of your question is, well, what's holding them back from mm -hmm. retirement? So the number one is the cost of living. And um, particularly pre-retirees, as they're getting into that older category, uh, particularly that 65 age category, which are delaying it. Peter mentioned that 57% are considering delaying. It's a natural response. It's 25% more than it was this time when we asked the survey last year. So it's a pretty significant jump. Also holding uh, pre-retirees back from retiring from when they wanted to. Well, concerns that they haven't saved enough. They want to make sure that that nest egg is, is big enough to last their entire retirements. Uh, also, number three position, concerned about debt that they do have debt. And that this is an area that often isn't talked about necessarily between uh, advisors and their clients. Uh, but we also looked at the survey and it was 44% of those wanted to speak with the financial professional about their debt load. So they really, investors really do want to be having these conversations. And then the fourth item is that not sure what they're going, the investors aren't sure what they're going to do in retirement. And it's really coming back to that vision. Um, and I know the media shows like the happy couple on the beach, but it, it's a deeper analysis. And these are all concerns that advisors can be having with their clients to helping their clients feel reassured about. And it is a major transition from those pre-retirees years into retirement years. And we look, look at this theme of delaying retirement. I mean, this is not a new thing. Right. Um, the average age of retirement in the 60, around 65 for a long time and then went down to just above 60 for a period of time. And we had the financial crisis. It's since then we've seen the average age of retirement of Canadians increase fairly significantly. You know, again, because of the financial crisis, now we've got all the market volatility and the higher interest rates and all the cost of living going on. I think this trend will continue. The Canadians will retire later and rate later. Now, in and of itself, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So but, and people just have to adjust to it and have the proper financial planning to appropriately manage their, their, their way through this. And if I remember correctly, last year when you were presenting on this, you talked a lot about it was it was Canadians don't necessarily shift directly into retirement. There's this transition phase. And so, Michelle, when you're talking about the role of the advisor, there really is like an emotional component to getting people comfortable to kind of getting out of that normal kind of cadence of life into what that looks like. And 
as we found last year, it's not kind of linear. You know, there is this kind of in-between phase. There which is definitely the in-between phase. And we see that in the report where more and more pre-retirees saying that, well, I'm going to retire from my primary career, primary profession, and then do something, a, a passion job or a part-time job before they go full on to retirement, as we would traditionally think about it. And this has a lot of benefits for Canadians, too. Mm -hmm. the, you know, surveys have shown, studies have shown uh, that are, there are very positive elements to working in retirement, as long as it's a choice, right? Like a, a, a plan to work in retirement is not a retirement <laughs> plan, but working because you want to, you want to stay engaged is, is so helpful across multiple dimensions, right? Financial, social, emotional, even physical. So again, working in retirement, I view as a good thing, um, as long as it's a choice. And that's the conversation that the advisor needs to have and make sure that they're, you know, really getting a clear understanding of what that vision looks like or help them get to what that vision could look like. Mm -hmm. So there was another theme that came out of this year's report, which I actually find quite fascinating. So, Michelle, I'm going to ask you, I mean, we're starting to see the face of Canada kind of change, really. And we're seeing this kind of get reflected in our survey results. So what does this mean for advisors and what in particular is that, that change right. looking like? So the face of Canada is changing due to immigration. We are at an all-time high in immigration trends and looking forward is continuing to increase. Um, I should share a stat. Tomorrow, the, <laughs> the, the Canadian population is projected to hit 40 million people, an all-time high, and largely that is due to immigration. So I want to talk about, well, what's the pathway of immigrants? Well, 62%, well over half, come in through the skilled worker program, either at the federal level or the provincial levels. There's equivalence there. So what do the immigrants look like? Well, by and large, they're young, they're educated, uh, they have work experience, and they're filling a need of skilled workers when they're here. So to me, that sounds like an ideal client. Absolutely. And these well poised to become the future high net worth clients. And I'm going into this detail because I think it's so important. Uh, so helping client, helping advisors think about, well, what are some of the differences between um, those born inside of Canada and those born outside Canada, specifically looking at their savings goals? By and large, we'll see that those born outside of Canada uh, compared to those born inside of Canada, well, when it comes to savings goal, they are savers. They hit all those points, retirement, children, the elderly, uh, elderly parents, major purchase, new homes, really prioritizing savings. Now, also, when we look at this, well, you can see the multi-generational aspect is even more so in those two areas saving for children, as well as saving for elderly parents. Um, just a, as a little bit of as an aside, outside of North America, the investment investment management, the retirement planning, it's a much different conversation than what we have been conditioned to or what we're familiar with. In many regions, there's not the same prioritization on individual savings. Uh, there's not the same prior, there's not the same uh, ability to be familiar with stock markets, global stock markets. So the key takeaway for advisors is, well, be aware of some of these differences. There'll be some education aspect 
but really helping Canadians who were not necessarily, who were not born here, immigrants, create plans and be prepared to hit all of those goals. And I know in some of the conversations we had when we were at the CIFP, there were a lot of advisors who were saying like, outside of Canada, there's like, there's certain areas where retirement just isn't even a discussion. It's, it's my kids are going to look after me and that's not a plan either. So obviously, you know, having a, a financial advisor is key right. and also making sure that advisors are engaging in those kind of conversations with these new Canadians to make sure that they're going to be prepared for, you know, an amazing outcome as they, as they retire, you know, in this yeah. terrific country. So Peter, amidst all the headlines and we've talked about um, volatility and inflation and we keep coming back to it, remind us again, how important is it having a financial advisor? You know, uh, critically, right? When we look at the viewpoints on retirement uh, and compare those who have an advisor versus those who do not, the differences are stark. And one that really jumps out at me, and this is on page 12 of our report, when we look at the percentage of people that agree with, I currently have peace of mind that my financial goals are on track. Those pre-retirees who do not have an advisor only 34% say yes versus 64% of those who have a financial advisor. A 30% difference, almost double. The, the value of having that professional advice is just so important that you know every Canadian should have a financial advisor. And Michelle, you were just at the CIFP with me, and it was evident, obviously, having the written plan is key to help Canadians stay on track for saving for retirement. Can you highlight again the importance of having one? And we can't emphasize this enough. I know throughout the presentation, we kind of kept coming back to it because I think sometimes we get into this habit where we create the plan, we discuss it once, and it goes into a bin never to be seen again. And I think with the amount of volatility that's going on out there, you know, there is a fair amount of nervousness. You know, we, we need to make this a live document. Absolutely. You want to make it a live document. And also, I do feel a, a bit of a rope broken record here or keep referring back to that written plan, but it is so important because we've talked about it, about how it is to identify what the goals are, what are the steps that we can break them down to achieve those goals. Adjust it from time to time because life happens, things outside our control happen, and making it a live document. And also all the work that goes into it Half the work is doing the work. The other half of the work is telling people about it and bringing it back to that written plan. Those who have a written financial plan feel better financially, but they also feel better emotionally, socially, and physically, which are four pillars of overall well-being of individuals, which comes from having the written financial plan. And I no, I keep saying it, but I can't overemphasize it. Having that written plan is so foundational to somebody's overall well-being. No, I agree. Now, Peter, let me ask you, have there been any um, government policy changes in the recent past that are going to affect the retirement landscape? There are a couple, not huge for the bulk of financial advisors' clients. Uh, firstly, the, the government has said they're going to stop issuing real return bonds. And they're one of the investment categories that one can use to protect against inflation. So that's somewhat disappointing to many people. The other change uh, relates to defined benefit pension plans. And this has been something that's been talked about uh, for years. In fact, uh, I think it was uh, two or three years ago at CIFP, I talked about this uh, as, as something that was being 
discussed at the time, and now it's live, right? LC228 now gives a super priority status to define benefit pension plans in situations where companies uh, enter into bankruptcy. Now, this doesn't kick in until 2027, so there's a significant lag. Why? To allow companies and their lenders to adjust to this. So, you know, this may help people if they are members of DB plans working for a company and that company goes bankrupt. Uh, many years ago, I worked for Sears Canada and many advisors will know Sears Canada went bankrupt. That impacted the defined benefit pension payouts to those investors. So had these rules existed back in, uh, when that happened, those people might have been better protected. But we also have to look at unintended consequences. And that is a real concern that if you're a lender, right, are you going to change your behavior mm -hmm. because of these rule changes? If you now know that someone else has stepped above you in terms of how they're treated in bankruptcy, uh, will you require different you know, provisions in the, in the loan agreements? Will you charge more? Right? So there are all these unintended consequences and, and ultimately these might even lead more companies to you know, cease having a defined benefit pension plan. That's been a trend in the private sector for many, many years, and this could actually exacerbate that trend. Well, I'm actually okay with the fact that Sears went under because you wouldn't be sitting here with us today. So uh, well, I think that's I, an, I a there. positive <laughs> unintended consequence, so I'm okay with that one. Michelle, are you seeing any changes on the horizon that are going to impact retirement? So a more of a perspective one is that the Department of Finance announced that they are going to be reviewing the RIF minimum withdrawals. Uh, they're looking at uh, the, the underlying assumptions on the rate of return, inflation, longevity as people are living longer and longer. There was a number of think tanks. CD Howe was one of the biggest ones, one of the most well-regarded. They had suggested that moving up the RIF minimums just by three additional years, moving them further down. But we'll see what happens. Sometimes these things take a long time to actually come to fruition and see the results. Yeah, hopefully that, I mean, because the Department of Finance is studying those RIF minimums, hopefully some changes will happen there. At a minimum, they should, the minimum should be reduced. And as you mentioned, maybe even getting rid of them or pushing them. There were a number uh, of, uh, of uh, organizations that suggested getting rid of the RIF minimums yeah. at all. And then there's a few others on my list that I'd like to see that, firstly, from a fairness perspective, uh, pension splitting before age 65, right? So if you're a member of DB plan, you can do that. If you're getting RIF, minimum, RIF payments, you can't. I don't see a good policy reason for that difference. RSP contribution, that should be higher than it is, right? Those members of DB plans are effectively able to save more on a tax deferred basis than those who utilize RSPs. And then, I'll also tie it back to that other theme we've been talking about, about Canadians working longer, right? Well, you have to start old age security and you have to start CPP by age 70. Well, if we want to encourage people to work in, work in further into their careers, let's push that out, right? And same with the need to convert one's RSP into a RIF by, by the end of the year in which you turn 71. Again, let's push that out, you know, encourage Canadians to work. We, you know, it's it's a good thing, but there are policy changes that are may or may not happen. They're more on my wish list. 80 is the new 60 is basically what you're saying. Then. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we talk a lot about pre-retirees and retirees. Let me ask you, 
um, and either one of you can answer this. What are your thoughts on millennials and kind of Gen Z in terms of preparing for retirement? Is there any kind of conversations you think these advisors need to be? I mean, obviously, we've got the intergenerational wealth transfer conversation, but is there anything that needs to be on the horizon for them? Well, I think what we're thinking is that the, the sooner we're having the conversations, the better. We know about the, the power of starting early. Einstein said the power of compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. But how do we get those conversations started? Uh, I think a great opener for the advisor community is to be talking about the first home savings account uh, because it is targeted towards the younger investor. It could be used by others, but really targeted for the younger investor. Any thoughts, Peter? No, I agree with Michelle. It's a great new account for, for those uh, younger Canadians. It's not retirement focused, of course, but anything that helps them get into the housing market uh, in, a, in a more cost-effective manner can be helpful. And then the, we should also be talking about their long-term savings. You know, the world is shifting, of course, uh, with all the thing, factors we've talked about today. You know, that also applies to those younger investors. So the Fidelity Retirement Report is an amazing investor-friendly piece. Either one of you can answer this. What are kind of the key things investors are going to be able to learn from this report when yeah. advisors share this with them? So we've, we keep on coming back to the importance of having a written plan, but then what about the components of a plan? So it's what are, how much is that nest egg? What are, we, what are we working towards? How much do I need to have in retirement? What are my spending goals? What are my day-to-day -day spending goals? Those are the most common components. And where advisors can really be adding value is looking at, well, what about healthcare costs? Specifically, end-of-life healthcare costs. 94% of people we surveyed said, yeah, I want to age in place, but what does that mean? And you need to make those decisions years or decades in advance to make sure you're in a situation to have the choice. A second one, which I think is really important to be talking about, is legacy planning, that intergenerational leaving money to the next generation. And again, this is a way to engage the intergenerational conversations. Yeah, I mean, I'd emphasize that importance of the, the financial plan, absolutely, and of working with the financial advisor. I would encourage financial advisors to, to, to use this as a, a conversation started. Give it to your, your, your clients, have them go through it. It will prompt discussions that can lead to a, a, a better relationship. I can't agree with you more. And that is just a reminder for everyone to make sure that you reach out to your Fidelity sales representative or find it on fidelity.ca and get your hands on the 2023 Fidelity Retirement Report. Thank you for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.